Chicas, and welcome back. This is part two of John Wayne Glover. I know in the first half, I gave you a lot of information and didn't get a chance to talk about it. So let's let's do this right now. Um, I guess where his hatred for older women stems from either his mom or stepmom who's had a lot of boyfriends and things like that if I had to guess it doesn't say it doesn't have any motive or anything like that and like I said before some serial killers want to stop killing but there's this mental process in their mind and it's just like they can't so to me he's targeting older women and people obviously because they can't defend themselves because they're old they can't fight back they're senile they're going deaf they can't hear they can't see so it gives him a lot of opportunity to come up behind them because their sense of awareness is not as heightened as a younger person's would be because like i said they're going deaf they're going blind they're hard of hearing they have a hearing aid so he just takes advantage of them but the thing is he's not really getting any getting any money out of them the most he's gotten was 209 dollars and that's it that was it that was it so you're out here killing these older women for money and they barely even have any money because nine times out of ten they're on the fixed income so to me, he's literally just doing this for fun, and it's not really fun for the families when they find out that their loved ones is is dead. But, anyhow, let's keep going. We last left off at the killing of 82-year-old Daisy Roberts. Well, not the killing. He kind of assaulted her at the nursing home. So, let's finish up. Detectives from Chatwood Police Station contacted and confirmed Glover's name via his employer. Detectives contacted Glover and requested he attend the interview at the station the following day. When Glover failed to appear, the police rang his home and were informed by his wife that he had attempted suicide by overdose and was recovering at the Royal North Shore Hospital. Police went to the hospital to see Glover, but he declined to be interviewed, although he did permit them to take a photograph. Staff at the hospital handed police a suicide note that was written by Glover in the middle of the page on 4 and 20 pie business paper that contained the words, end quote, no more grannies. Grannies and Essie started it, end quote. Essie is apparently Glover's mother-in-law. So there it is. Two weeks later, the suicide note and photo were passed on to the task force, now numbering some 70 members, whereupon detectives believed immediately that Glover was the killer, although they had no evidence. The head of the detective task force said, quote, well, wait, if he had said to us, I don't want to talk, well, yeah, quote, (laughs) if he had said to us, I don't want to talk, we could have had proved a thing. Still, the photo matched the description of the gray-haired suspect and in his job as a pie seller. Glover could have never been in any of the murder scenes. Hmm? I don't know. 
Glover was interviewed over the nursing home assault and denied all accusations. Police had limited evidence inside and asked a question over the over the murders, which would have let let Glover know of the police suspicions. Glover was put under constant police surveillance, including at one stage with an automatic tracking device. To make sure that he was not being followed, Glover would drive around the block more than once or drive the wrong way up one way streets. March 9th, 1990, Glover killed his sixth and final victim in Mossman. She was a 60-year-old divorcee, Joan Sinclair from Butte Point, with whom Glover had a platonic relationship. With this stage, police had Glover under constant surveillance and watched as Sinclair let Glover into her home around 10 a.m. By 1 p.m., no sign of Glover or movement within the house was seen. Police and the surveillance team became concerned around 5 p.m. and got permission to enter their home at 6. Two uniformed police knocked on the front door to check on barking dogs. No answer. And when looking through the rear glass door, saw a hammer laying in a pool of dry blood on a mat. Four detectives searched the house and found Sinclair battered head wrapped in a bundle of blood-soaked towels. She was naked from the waist down and her pantyhose were tied around her neck. Her genitals were damaged, but Glover later denied raping her. After finding Sinclair's body, they then searched the house for Glover, who was found unconscious in the filled bathtub. So he tried to kill himself again. Glover later told police he murdered Joan Sinclair and explained that they had been having a relationship for some time. He said that he beat her about the head with his hammer, removed her pantyhose, and strangled her with it. Glover rolled the body onto a mat, wrapped four towels around her extensive head wounds to steam the, stem the flow of blood, then dragged her body across the room, leaving a trail of blood. He then ran the bath, swallowed a handful of Valium with a bottle of Bat 69, slashed his left wrist, and laid in the tub to die. That didn't work. At the trial commencing March 28, 1990, Glover pleaded not guilty to his crime on the grounds of diminished responsibility. A psychiatrist said Glover had built up hostility and aggression since his childhood against his mother and then against his mother-in-law, so both of them were the cause, who was said to trigger him. When she died, he had to take out his aggression on someone else. The psychiatrist who studied the case also added that this was a very unusual case because very few serial killers exist and most of them are mentally ill and or have an organic disease of the brain. Glover was sane at the time of the murders, but a psychiatrist at the trial said, oh, at the trial, John Shand said Glover had a severe personality disorder. The Crown prosecutor maintained that Glover was well aware of his actions when he killed. He was also planning what to do with the victim's money and also took time to clean the hammer with acid. Glover was um, impotent and had no interest in sex. So tying the penny hole so tightly around the victim's neck was to make sure they were dead. At the same at the same time trying to trick the police into thinking that this was the work of a sexually motivated killer. Glover was addicted to poker machines and the easiest way for him to get more money was to steal. After the guilty verdict was delivered, Justice Wood stated that he was dealing with an extremely dangerous prisoner. He is able to choose when to attack and when to stand, stay his hand. He is cunning and able to cover his tracks. It is plain that he has chosen his moments carefully. Although the crimes have been opportunist, he has not gone in where the risks were overwhelming. 
The period since January 1989 has been one of the intensest serious crimes involving extreme violence inflicted on elderly women, accompanied by theft or robbery of their property. On an on any view, the prisoner has shown himself to be exceeding exceedingly dangerous person, and that view was mirrored by the opinions of the by the opinions of the psych, psychiatrists who gave evidence at the trial. I have no alternative other than to impose the maximum available sentence, which means that the prisoner will be required to spend the remainder of his natural life in jail. It is inappropriate to impose any minimum term to be served before release on parole. Having regard to those life sentences, this is not a case where the prisoner may ever be released to any order of this court. He is never to be released. Well, there, there's that. Days before Glover committed suicide, he handed his last outside visitor a sketch of a park. Glover pointed out two pine trees in the image. In the middle of the right pine tree, the number nine could be seen between leaves and branches. The number nine is said to either represent the total number of murders or the number of unsolved murders committed by Glover. Unsolved murders that may have been committed by Glover include Emmy May Anderson, 78, East Melbourne, October 19, 1961. Irene Kidley, 61, St. Kilda, Victoria, March 22, 1963. Elsie Boyd, 63, June 3, 1967. Christina Yako, 63, Albert Park, April 9, 1968. Florence Broadhurst, 78, and Paddington, New South Wales, October 16, 1977. Josephine McDonald, 72. Adelong, New Wales, August 29, 1984. And Wanda, 83, November 21, 1986. Glover was imprisoned at Lithgow Prison, where he was held in the maximum security prison cell. In May 25, Glover collapsed in his cell. I'm sorry, excuse me. In May 2005, Glover collapsed in his cell and was placed on suicide watch after telling prison officers, I've had enough, I want to kill myself. He was examined by a mental health review team and monitored by closed circuit television. He was also given medical examinations as a follow-up to the two cancer surgeries he had undergone the year prior. On September 10, 2005, Glover was found dead in his Lithgow maximum security prison cell and pronounced dead at 1.25 p.m. The 72-year-old serial killer was confirmed to have hanged himself. So, this has took us for a loop. This is a roller coaster ride. It had took us up and down and around and around just for it to end with him killing himself. Should he have killed himself? Maybe because he's gonna stay in jail for the rest of his life. Is Dr. Cobb's way out? Absolutely, yes, it is. Did he deserve to die? Not that way, maybe natural causes in jail. So you can think about what he done and just sit there and rot, absolutely. But all in all, that is another serial killer checked off the list that we don't have to worry about. Thank you guys for tuning in this week. Come back next week as we'll uncover another unknown serial killer. Like I always tell you guys, please be nice to people because you never know who they killed. And I will see you guys next week.